Hey Gathering Midtown, uh, good to see you today. My name is Jake Oshbacher and I am the associate pastor here at Gathering Midtown Church. Uh, if I know you, hi. If I don't, uh, hit me up at jakeatgatheringmidtown.com. I'd love to get to know you, buy a cup of coffee, let you know a little bit more about who we are uh, here at Gathering Midtown. So, um, and guys, we also just hope that this little kind of in-between mini-series we're doing, uh, Words We Need, uh, has been blessing y'all. I know um, it's been impacting my heart just to kind of come back to the words of Jesus in the Gospels, the red letters, and let them wash over me, minister to me, and bless me, um, and in turn bless those around me. Um, and again, it is kind of this in-between series, in-between what we've did in the summer with the Proverbs and what we're going to be moving into uh, in September with our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, series and course. So if you'd like to learn more about um, the course, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, go to our website and you can uh, find all the information you need there and uh, an opportunity to sign up for the course if uh, you feel so led, if you feel uh, called to do that, which we hope you do. Um, so all that being said, today we're moving into... Um, another set of words by Jesus, some more red letters. So let's open in prayer and then we'll get into the word together. Lord, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for the blessings that you bestowed upon us, the way you care for us, watch over us. Even in the moments where we don't necessarily feel you with us, we know that you are present. Be with us today. Help us to experience you in a new and fresh way through your word. And be with us as we take in what the Holy Spirit has for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Harvard, late 1930s, a group of researchers started a study with about 400 college sophomore men. And the idea behind the study was that they would follow these 400 sophomores to the end of their lives, researching them all the while. So as you can imagine, the research study is actually still going today, has taken tons of manpower, and there's a lot of information that these researchers have taken in. Subsequently, in the, uh, in the 19, yeah, 1970s, um, the researchers added into the study about 500 men from the inner city in Boston, primarily men of color. And a little bit uh, after that, they added in uh, the wives of some of these men into the study. And the study was to find out really one thing. What makes for a healthy and happy life? Um, and so, as you can imagine, adding the, up, the other groups into the study really helped because you had people of color in the study. You had white men, white people in the study. You had men and women. You had very rich and very poor. And oddly enough, uh, there was even variance within the groups themselves. For instance, in the Harvard group, there were men that went on to be doctors and lawyers and others that, you know, fell into uh, mental illness, schizophrenia, alcoholism, homelessness. And so the spectrum of the individuals in the study was actually really, really broad at the end of it there. Eventually, what the researchers found was that one factor, no matter where you were on the spectrum in society, made for a healthy and happy life. And that was good relationships. Good relationships was the consistent factor with all of the individuals in the study 
who found themselves to be generally happy and healthy people. Along the way, there was actually a, a little bit of a, some side information that the researchers came upon was that those who did not have healthy relationships, again, whether they were rich or poor, people of color or white people, men or women, the one factor that led them to having actual uh, serious mental issues and, and bodily health issues was poor relationships or, or, or no, no relationships at all. Um, some of the individuals had symptoms in their bodies of people who smoked excessively or drank alcohol excessively, but didn't. It, it was the lack of healthy relationships in their lives, the, the ability to be in relationship with other human beings that caused them and their bodies to fall into disarray. So that's kind of what we're talking about today is, is relationships, family, um, and how do we have unity amongst one another so that we can live happy and healthy lives with those around us. Today we're going to start our time out uh, with some scripture. So if you want to, grab your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever it is you use to read the Word, uh, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to be reading verses 46 to 50. Read with me. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my brother? And who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. So a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of some side notes here. This story of Jesus interacting with this individual who's reporting to him about his mom, Mary, and his brothers, um, it, it's in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and the other interesting thing about it is that uh, at this point in Jesus's ministry, Jesus's mother and brothers essentially thought Jesus had to some degree gone off the deep end um, and were kind of coming to this house where he was preaching to his disciples, spending time with his followers to say, uh, hey buddy, time to, time to come home, time, time to stop all this. Um, obviously the religious leaders and the Roman officials had already caught wind of who Jesus was and so they were worried for him and, and wanted to protect him, but were doing something that was not in the plan Jesus actually does talk about this type of thing, which is what we're going to be diving into today in Mark chapter 6, verse 4. He says, Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. What Jesus does in this scripture in 12, our scripture for today, is actually revealed to us. He, he draws the curtain back to allow us to see that there's a new way, a kingdom way to view family, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, the people that we walk with in this Christian life. Th this passage also has massive uh, cultural ramifications to uh, the time, to, to the region where Jesus 
was in those days, if you did not have blood relatives, if you did not have a family, there was a good chance you were gonna find yourselves on the outskirts of society, really struggling to survive. So for Jesus to say, who, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? And for his actual blood relatives to be standing just outside the, the outer door there, it's pretty, pretty radical to the time that he was living. While I was pondering this uh, scripture initially, I actually got to thinking about the phrase, um, blood is thicker than water. I'm sure most of us have heard that phrase before, blood is thicker than water. Um, interestingly enough, it's a 12th or 13th century phrase that either comes from a German Nask dialect or English. No one's absolutely sure about where it came from, but it's been in uh, the, the, the catacombs of our language for centuries. Now, the original intent of this phrase was that the blood between a, a nuclear family, a family unit, brothers, actual brothers, actual sisters, mothers, and fathers of biological descent would always be stronger. Those, those relational bonds would always be stronger than that of friendship or of love, agape even. However, later on in history, Jewish rabbis and scholars began to kind of rework the phrasing here to say something along the lines of the blood of the covenant is stronger than the water of the womb. The covenant being the sacrifices that were made to bring man and God back in right relationship in the Old Testament. And now we can even take that same understanding and apply it to what Jesus did on the cross and the blood that he spilt, that the blood of Jesus is stronger, is thicker, is more capable than the water of the womb, the water that I shared with my brother Y'all understand what I'm saying? That Jesus is, again, we're being pointed to the reality that there's a shift here in the way that the kingdom helps us to understand who our family is. However you slice it, what Jesus is saying is that for the Christian, there is a reality where simply having blood, being a blood relative to someone does not mean that that relationship will be easy or good um, he actually speaks to it here in Matthew 10. Read with me. Jesus says, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Now, we, we may not have had anyone put to death, but maybe we've decided we were going to kill a relationship. Maybe we thought we would cut the bonds of some relationship we had in our life. Now, the last 17, 18 months have been very trying on all of us, on our relationships, and for a lot of us, including myself, with family members. As hard as that is to say. We have felt rejected, attacked, abandoned, or neglected by those we love, our family members, and those that we're in deep abiding relationships with. But the question is, where are we finding 
our belonging? Where are we beginning to understand where Jesus is revealing true family? This week, I was actually uh, taught by Drew. Uh, he brought it to my attention that in Acts 21, and, and I, this amazed me, uh, in Acts 21, we actually read our last, last example of the word disciple or disciples being used in the New Testament. It's never mentioned again. Um, and there's a couple reasons for that. Paul uh, and, and the writers of some of the epistles, Luke being the writer of of Acts, um, they understood that as they geographically got further and further away from Jerusalem and Israel as a country, that less and less individuals, less and less people groups, less and less tribes would understand what it meant when they said rabbi and disciple. Those were Judeo-cultural words that only really had weight with those cultures. So when you get to Spain or when you travel into the far east with the gospel and you continue using words like rabbi and disciple, people begin to scratch their head and kind of wonder what you're talking about. So right there in the book of Acts, chapter 22, we don't see it again. Why? Well, Paul and the other writers of the epistles had to find a way to bring that same idea into other regions of the world. So what did they do? Well, they chose the father and the son dynamic. They chose the dynamic of family, of mothers, brothers, and sisters being bound together in something that was greater than themselves. We see this idea spanning the entirety of Scripture, um, but we see it really taking place and taking root deeply after that 21st chapter in Acts. For example, going to the Old Testament, we see in the book of Psalms 133.1, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. The term here, brothers, means just any, really two, any two individuals who are living in healthy reciprocal relationship with one another. Or Hebrews 13.1. Remember, in Hebrews, we're past Acts 21, okay? Remember, so here, uh, Hebrews 13.1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. That brothers and sisters term there into the Greek is Philadelphia, right? Uh, the love of brother and sister. And then in James chapter 4, verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. This example of brother and sister here is really any fellow believer united in the bonds of Christ, your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ. The question now that we know we're supposed to view our fellow believer in Christ as a actual family member is how do you discern that? And we're not going to dig into the weeds on this, but I just want to say that in Ephesians, we see, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Again, we're going back to that familial language, children of the Father. We're in a family together. So again, how, how do you know that the person sitting across from you is your brother or sister or mother or father in Christ? Well, he said that they're going to be imitators of God. And how else? Well, obviously, we can go to the Gospels and look into the character of Christ. And we can also look to the fruits of the Spirit.
I want to pause real quick because what I want to say is, how should I say it? Um, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that because a relationship with your daughter or son, with your mother or father is difficult, that you should cut them off. Now, if this is a toxic situation where there's abuse, whether it be emotional, physical, that's something completely different. And you should get out of that relationship. But I'm just talking about the hard striving sometimes that we have to do with people that we do truly love. Um, I'm not saying that we cut those people off for the, for the rest of our lives. Um, Dr. Henry Cloud, in, in his book series on boundaries, um, he has some great books on these topics. Um, I highly recommend you pick them up because sometimes healthy boundaries are needed in relationships. But what I am saying is that followers of Christ will sometimes experience the sandpaper on wood honing that feeling of being honed down in relationships that are difficult, um, which is what Jesus is alluding to here in Matthew 12, this, this, this reality that sometimes we have to take those who we love most, our family, and say, I love you, I am present with you, but the kingdom is guiding me here with these people in front of me, my brothers and sisters of the kingdom. Jesus is revealing to those informing him that his family is outside and to his disciples who are sitting right in front of him that the kingdom of God, that that family, that kingdom family looks a lot different. I want to wrap up here um, and I just have a few points and then we'll pray. But sometimes, a lot of the time, yeah, not sometimes, a lot of the time, following Jesus makes us look very counterintuitive to the ways of the world. Sometimes we will say things that we believe and it will sound upside down from the way of the kingdom, which I'm sure to Jesus's mother and brothers being told by a messenger, Jesus is actually talking with some other people right now. And he called them his mother and brother and sisters. I'm sure to them that moment, in that moment, that phrase seemed a bit upside down. I also want to say that um, just because you're in a relationship with someone who knows and loves Jesus, that doesn't mean that relationship is going to be easy. And um, relationships take time and effort. They take prayer. Um, and I think it's our job to, as, as fellow believers with our family in Christ, um, take the time to love well, to listen well, and to step in when things get difficult. And I also want to say that, lastly, that um, in times like these, where everything in the world seems to be flipping upside down and going crazy, that now more than ever, it is important that we put aside petty differences and step into the love of Christ that he has called us to for one another as brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers in the kingdom and be unified as a family of God. An image that the rest of the world can look at and say, 
Yeah, those people are Jesus' people. I really appreciate your time today. I pray a blessing over you and all those in your household. Um, we're gonna have some questions for you at the end of the service today. And if you're with a micro gathering or a group of people, maybe just your family, I encourage you to you know, pause the video, write down the questions and, and ponder them, meditate over them and, and, and discuss them with one another. If you're alone, maybe write the questions down, take a picture of them, screenshot it, whatever the case may be, and send it to family members or friends that uh, would be encouraged by them or maybe even challenged by them. So again, may the Lord's blessing be upon you. Let's pray and end our time. Jesus, thank you for your example of what it looks like to seek the kingdom in all things. Help us as we go out this week to be the type of people who desire unity in the body of Christ, that seek deep and healthy and holy and happy relationships with our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, and our fathers in Christ, in you, Jesus. Watch over us and protect us, help us, and keep us safe. We love you, Jesus. Amen.